You are listening to the Park Flyer Podcast, where we discuss our RC adventures. Welcome to the Park Flyer Podcast, where we discuss the ups and downs of the new RC Flyer. Join your hosts, Michael and Jay, as they take flight at the park. Now on with the show. Hey everybody, welcome to the Park Flyer Podcast. Jay from the hills of Texas. And Shannon G and Mesa AZ. We are lucky enough to have a special guest uh, tonight, thanks to Shannon. Shannon, why don't you, uh, why don't you introduce our new guest? Uh, I'd like to introduce Gary J. Porter, who is the current president of the Arizona Wild Aviators and uh, frequent uh, person I talk with and fly with and, and <laughs> enjoy, the, enjoy the club with. So uh, I was very glad nice. to have Gary come on. Yeah, That's Gary, fun. welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Welcome. Uh, this is a special week. We uh, have been kind of talking about ourselves uh, about this uh, FAA recognized. Um, what's the I stand for? The uh, identification identification area or a FRIA, and uh, it's you know obviously getting close to. Um, well, I mean it's here. It's it's on. It's upon us already. Uh, this episode's being recorded right as it's coming out. So. We uh, we uh, we know that we're supposed to be flying in one or have remote ID, uh-huh. and so <laughs> which we also know is uh, you know maybe coming or not. Uh, and so having said that, um, a, a few episodes back, Shannon said that they got their free approved, and I thought we had ours, but the last meeting we talked to, there's some holdup on ours, and I'm mm-hmm. not really sure. I think it has something to do with where we are. Uh, very close to an airport. So I think they're looking into that. Uh, part of our field is underneath the class Delta and part of it's not, but the runway portion is. So who knows? Anyway, so uh, I thought we'd take the opportunity uh, having Gary on and um, let Shannon and Gary kind of walk us through, you know, what the Freya, how to get to it, you know, kind of all that good stuff. So, you know, it's, it's kind of a mystery. Hmm. Shannon? Yeah, so uh, FRIA came up when I was president, but there was a lot of wait and see, wait and see, wait and see. So I really didn't do much, and I kind of felt bad about that. And then when Jerry, Gary took over as president, <laughs> uh, kind of had to kick it into the gear, right, Gary? Oh, yeah, we needed to move pretty quick. Yeah. And uh, so just kind of walk us through, like, the process, because I said I didn't get to that part, and I think it's something that, you know, people want, want, would have a better understanding okay. uh, of it so that when it does happen, it, uh, you know, makes sense. Well, I guess, take some, well, it takes some mystery out of it. I mean, there was right. – um, actually, the process from the club perspective was very simple. And when I say it that way, AMA makes it pretty easy to go out to their site and set up the application. And that worked very, very well. Now, we had a club member that provided me with a nice map that was you know, like a Google Earth map that had mm-hmm. let, he had zoned it off, and it was perfect for what we needed. Um, he's also a member of another club, and he had done that for them. And he goes, oh, here's this. I did this while I was just looking at it. And that's what we actually submitted. And it shows kind of the geographical area that we would fly in. And we're lucky enough to be you know, in a flood area that we could say, okay, to a dike, to another dike, that's that's a fly zone. 
and there's no it's not over any houses any roads any you know any used areas like that no rodeo grounds nothing like that mm -hmm. so we were so when i went to ama the hardest thing i had to do is get the gps coordinates to the field because i think we store we had it in the three digit nomenclature and they wanted longitude latitude so you had to do right. the conversion got it put it in there and I think they had one question back to me through the whole process, AMA did. And that was just a clarification on the address. And because we don't really have an address, we just have cross streets. So I put the nearest cross streets down and they just wanted to make sure that they understood where that was. Um, we're lucky enough that if you were to Google our field, which I'm sure they did, it comes up and shows you we're on the map. And that makes it much nicer that way. So having that knowledge base actually allowed that to proceed pretty quick. Um, through that process, they didn't really do any real notification until the day I got copied on an email from the FAA to AMA saying this field is approved. And then AMA came back and sent us the, the letter saying you're approved. So, but we knew that that was, you know, it had the application number, it had all the little um, nice things that legalities associated with it there. So, you know, I've kept that record as well just to have it. But that was great news for the club. And I know like other clubs are still waiting in line. I know, I know, I know one club had to reapply. They were denied in the, in the Arizona, you know, in the Valley area here. So they had to reapply and they actually got it through and got theirs last Monday. That would have been Speed World. So oh, Speed World? I was talking to, to Jim Allen about that, who's the president there, and we were t comparing notes. And so he was, he was, um, he has dealt with the FAA for most of his career. So <laughs> he had a right, good opportunity right, right. to exercise that. And he was filling me in. And they had, you know, they were in Luke Air Force Base space. So, that's what caused that to get denied the first time. But they actually got it approved in three weeks. So that's almost a record time. But they actually went to the FAA with that to get the right person. And so there's there's things I guess clubs can do if there's things that pop up. Um, and there's some little nuances, like if there's a road running through near your area and you're flying over the road, that's something you got to be very cautious of. So, you know, they look at all those little things there. Well, that's, wow. but in a nutshell, that's what happened and what occurred. Right. right, right, right. Now, your application, you, you said you went through the AMA portion of it. So the AMA is trying to help us because that's our, right. basically our community group, right? And then you have to go through them. So they're our proxy. As opposed yep. to going direct. Yeah. Okay. So uh, that makes sense. And then they, so we're, they, we, you, they did a great job. Yeah. Okay. Because so I did follow. They would up. probably, they would probably be with everybody though, right? With all the clubs, you you normally would go through them. Yes. In fact, that's okay. that's what's encouraged. And when I hadn't heard back from them for a while, I followed up with them and said, "Hey, is there anything outstanding that you know we haven't heard anything about this? People are getting theirs approved." And they just said, "Be patient. It's in the works. You're in queue." Mm -hmm. And so we were, and it paid off. Hmm. Well, that's good to know. Yeah, that uh, that does me. Uh, in my head, I was thinking everybody was having to go to the FA, and they weren't having to do everything. But I forgot that you can actually apply through yep. the community 
or whatever they call that, the community. CBO. CBO, that's what it is. Yep. Community organization. So, which, which uh, if I'm not mistaken, could be a club or a entity, some corner of like a school entity. Or yep. And there's a lot of them that I think have done that. You know, it's not just AMA. Mm -hmm. You know, I, you see flight test out there, right? Mm -hmm. That's they're they're looking at that from that angle, right? Yep. And one of our former members, but somebody keep in touch with Paul Kalp. I think he did that too with um, his STEM C program. He had a couple mm -hmm. that he put in for various fields. Uh, actually, there's a little retention basin now, not that far from the, down the road here, that's been approved as a FRIA. So. Oh, wow. It's been interesting to, to see him. He throws out his all the time, so he's he's been pretty successful too. Right, right. Huh. <clears throat> well, I'm pro I'm pretty sure that that's what's holding ours up too. Is that we're in that airport area? They may be looking at it, but you know, it's kind of a shame because uh, the Sun Valley Flyers group has been there for a long time. Oh yeah, and, yeah. So hopefully we get ours soon as well. Because I, I think Amps has got theirs now too. And um, were, I heard. Yeah. Well, did they? Because I heard that they were still yeah. waiting. So. Uh, I think no, they, theirs actually shows up on the website. Yeah, okay, I've seen good, it. I, I think they got it like last week or a week and a half ago because uh, we were talking about it and uh, with one of my board members, and that's what they told me. They said, yeah, Amps just got theirs. So, yep. um, And they're closer to, to the airport than we are. And <clears> one of the things that, that Jim brought up, which was a very good point, was any club that has registered twice as far as – if you go out and look at, like Sun Valley, for instance, if you go out and look at mm -hmm. their flying site in the FAA, how they how they see them, there's two registered, and they have different addresses for the same place because I think the helicopter side yep, is registered right. separate from the runway, and he yeah. said those they're struggling with, so I don't know what that means, you know, but there's mm, they may have to come sense. back and pick a spot. And just say this is right. it, and you know, the helicopter is grouped into that. Right. So that would make more sense. I know that those guys they face a totally different direction and mm -hmm. fly a totally different area, but it would be kind of. I know a lot of upset people if they approve the helicopter site and then not the runway site, because like, you know we all all of us turbine operators are standing there going, "Wait a second, I can't, <laughs> you know, where do we go from there?" So you're flying uh, turbine helicopters. Yeah, that's right. We'll have to switch on over. So, a bunch of ospreys. Everyone's going to go on ospreys. That's now. true. Yeah, I could do that. So. Well, uh, so so what was the time frame? Because, uh, you know, Shannon said that he got kind of out and then you kind of had to take over. But uh, And I know that some guys are still waiting, but how, how long do you think that it took from when you actually went through the process to where you heard something? Um, I believe we had filed probably back in April. I'm just checking real quick to see. I just happen to have my squirrel everything away. Um, there you go. And it it was either April or May that we did that. And because it really wasn't open at that point. And once they mm -hmm. opened it up, you know, it was a flood. And right. it we didn't get our approval till uh, August 21st is when we got it. So mm. that's it, that's quite of a span, you know, you're talking about four to five months. And that's why right. I pinged them again to ask, hey, you know, is everything okay? Do we still do, do something missing that I need to fill in the blanks on? And they were good with that. You know, they said, oh, no, no, you're all good. We're just processing. 
you know, waiting on the FAA. Right. 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 Now, uh, I, I guess my other question is to you, cause I'm not as familiar with it. Like I said, I was talking to some of the board members and sometimes you get good answers. Sometimes you get guys that go, yeah, I'm not really sure. But, uh, let's say that, uh, in, in our particular case, we, you know, we're still waiting on our FRIA. The FAA has given us a deadline, right? And, or, or at least that they say this is when remote ID becomes available. If they have not given the FRIA out, do, are those clubs no longer allowed to continue to fly, or do they just have to use remote ID when they do fly? I believe it's it's going. You would have to go to remote ID. I mean, if you're in a FRIA, you're in a FRIA. But mm-hmm. you know, I've got a separate one, just because mm-hmm. there's going to be times. You know, you may want to go out to a dry lake bed and go fly with a bunch of friends. Mm-hmm. You're mm-hmm. covered because you have your identification mm-hmm. with you. And it's probably a good thing to have at least one that you can put in an airplane and go do that with. Right, right. And that, and you said you picked one up already? You already yep. have yours? Yeah. Gotcha. Have you tested it out yet? Not yet, although um, one of our fellow members did last weekend, and I was tracking it. It was uh, He was using the tracking software that's with it. And you could see it moving around. So it actually it actually was registering on the ground, and he was he had it on his phone, and the map was displayed, and you could see the little dot moving around. Of course, you had to zoom in quite a bit to see it because the flight patterns we have, they don't yeah, you know they don't really go tight. far enough. You know, in a jet it might be better, but in a little prop job that was just tooling around the sky, that's a whole different thing. Sure, sure, sure. So, and then what uh, what brand did you get? Um, I mean, there's only one available, right? No, these were out of Europe. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So these, this was like a, you know, they weigh like one gram, and mm-hmm. you know, it's got the battery adapters and all that stuff with it. And at the time, there wasn't anything else out there available, and it was like, mm-hmm. okay, better just start processing and see what we can get. So it was like a seventy-dollar widget, which mm-hmm. is going to probably become the norm going forward. Yeah. That's that's pretty expensive, though. I mean, if you're talking about, I I have some airplanes that are thirty dollars, you know, and you put a seventy dollar, seventy dollar, uh, you know, and it and it doesn't even go as far as probably the one you were flying around. I can fly this one around my RV garage. So, well, it'd be, um, it'll be it, something that you're going to need to uh, make sure that your flying is very well done. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But yeah. yeah, I mean, like Horizon just came out with theirs, right? The Spectrum. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's priced right at about the same thing. Um, yeah. We'll see where the rest of it goes. Hmm. I ordered one, but I obviously haven't got it yet. Nope. Yeah, I think they had a flood of orders, and uh, yeah. a lot of them they're probably going to have a hard time, you know, getting to everybody. And I guess the the flight test one sounds like it's out. out and about. Oh, is it? Yep. I'll have to check on that and see. Well, and that's, uh, you know, that's kind of the way that everything is going, I think. But uh you know the free is all over. I uh, most of the guys that I know that have been involved in the process have already received theirs. So we're hoping that um, you know this is it doesn't get gummed up in the system. And, <laughs> you know, get get dry. <laughs> so double fingers crossed. Double fingers crossed. Yeah, double fingers crossed. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it's just one of those things. You know, we all just kind of have to wait and see. Now, it, having said all that. Um, do you are you are you going to take your? I mean, obviously they want a remote ID for every aircraft out there, and someone like me that's got you know 
well into 50 to 75 airplanes. I mean, I'm thinking that's can can you switch it from one to another? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. And and that's what you think you you oh, yeah. be able to do just drop it at one and well, think of it this way. You're registered to the FAA with that serial number that's in that device. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's how they would track you anyway. So right. it's not necessarily to the aircraft because each aircraft, your your FAA number that you put on the aircraft is a singular number. So right. as long as you're represented, at least have it there. And if you swap it, you're in the air, they can figure you out. Yeah. I think the only guys who have to swap, I mean, or have to have one for every one of their drones or planes i think is your flying 107 commercial drone pilot i think i think that's the difference i think then you have to have uh, a device for each one of your aircraft for each one of your crafts yeah and i think they're it's because they have uh multiples like a backup to a backup kind of thing in case something goes wrong they can bring it back just take the next one up so they're individually um registered i think i'm not mistaken I don't know. I took that test a long time ago, so I have to go back and refresh my memory. So, uh, Gary, what are you going to do, you know, when the day comes and, and uh, you know, you already have your free up, but uh, let's just say, uh, or things don't go right and and people still want to fly and the freeas aren't up or something happens, then are you going to ground or close your field for that day? Well, with the Freya, we're already re- we're already on the, ra- the radar. Right. So there's mm-hmm. like a there's like a NOTAM issued that says, hey, there's a, an established area here that's flying. So there's nothing we have to do outside of that on a day to day basis. I mean, once that's registered, mm-hmm. once that's there, um, any map will probably become part of. Gotcha. So that's that's what we're kind of looking for, and it'd be interesting to see where that does track. We're not quite there yet, um, but I think we will be. So once everything does happen, I, you know, it's it's not a mad rush to, to figure it out. You know, we're we should, from our perspective, we won't have to do anything now. If we go fly somewhere else, you need to find out if, if that's a free approved field. <laughs> you, know, you, know, right. you know, and right. you know, do all the homework associated with it just to figure it out. Yeah, because one of the things I was thinking about was, you know, like I said, like in like in Shannon's case, uh, not Shannon's case, excuse me, um, in the case of like a field that does not have, uh, or Mike's case, where they don't have their stuff approved quite yet, you know, so Joe Blow goes out there to go fly, and and he's not really thinking about it, and he goes, well, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go fly. Hey, I have my remote ID. Yeah, I should be good to go. And so one of the things I was thinking about was. Let's just say that guy happens to crash his aircraft around smack into somebody's car. He goes, well, at least I'm covered by the AMA, you know, because they'll cover me for my insurance. And then he goes in to file his claim and then they go, hey, it's denied. And he goes, well, why, why was it denied? And they go, well, you know, were you flying in, in, um, in regards to all the, rule, to all the rules that, that, that you're covered under? And, and he goes, well, yeah, I, I, I think so. And they were like, well, were you flying, were you flying at a field that was, you know, were you flying out of Freya? And he's like, well, not yet. And then they can go, well, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to honor your claim because you weren't flying, flying under the full rules, you know, how insurance companies are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then you're mm-hmm. stuck. Cause that was one of the things I was just thinking about. I was just like, wow, you know, people may go, you know, they may go fly it at their field and go, well, I should be, you know, I should be covered or I, I should be, you know, what's changed, go fly something happens 
And then, you know, the insurance company's like, yeah, you know, here, you know, tick, no, denied, denied, because you weren't following the full rules that you were supposed to be flying under. So what do you guys think about that? Hmm. I think we're on a wait and see with that. <laughs> I don't know if there's actually an answer for that. Yeah, yeah, and I know I know that the uh if you read all the fine print on the AMA, uh they're not the first they're not the right, first you're like your homeowner's uh, insurance in or somebody, insurance. but I'm just saying yeah, insurance companies in they're they're like a supplemental. Right. I'm just saying in general. Yeah, no, I agree. If it was even right, right in general. Just, I'm just saying that, you know, they're my, my, they're trying to get out of pain. <laughs> Any claims. Right. And and I think I think I kinda agree with uh, Shannon on the fact that it's probably, you know, we'll we'll know for sure when that on and if that ever happened you know we would have to see how it works my my big hang up or or the big question for me is that according to the faa anybody can fly at a fria so like in my particular case we have to lock the door you know we have to lock a gate behind us and yet it says right here in the rules anybody can fly there but you're not really technically a member of our club oh i didn't so how do you how do you reconcile, you know, if that's the case, I know you guys and we, we have, you know, guest passes or day passes or whatever, but in reality, if somebody was driving through, like if I, you know, Jay and I go on a road trip and we pull up to, you know, some club, normally it's like, Hey, we're AMA members. We're good to go. But if you just are anybody else, you're not a member of the AMA, according to the FAA, you have to fly in a free or you can fly in a free and you can just walk right in there and start flying. Ooh, am I misinterpreting no, that? I I think though that you're hitting a point, but I also think that you go back to how the basis is for an AMA club. Mm-hmm. I mean, to fly, you know, our charter for a club says everybody has to be an AMA member, you know, mm-hmm. due to liabilities, due to insurance, due to the negotiation with landlords, if you will, leases and leasers. Um, mm-hmm. being able to pay things out. And it's all wrapped around being an AMA member, having the site insurance through AMA, which somebody who isn't an AMA member is not covered by. You know, so right. that, that changes the whole makeup of that. But it does open up something we have to look at. And I don't know, you know, I, you, you get tired of legislating everything. Right. I know, right? Yeah. It, it, yeah I just want to go fly my plane, right? right? You know. <laughs> right. Yeah. I just want to I was able to fly, fly it last week. Hobby. This week I can't. Right. Well, and I think because the Freya is is under the CBO, I think this that that's the CBO being AMA mm-hmm. in our case. I think that right. still yeah. is the deciding factor. That's what I I'm assuming and I hope I'm right. I think I think Gary thinks the same thing. Well, yeah. And I think that because AMA stood in and worked with the FAA for us to be able to get our FRIA, I think that's all conjoined. Hmm. So, and we'll probably well, see AMA rules coming down around some of this later once it gets established. Because it's too soon now for anybody to make any kind of move around that. But they'll probably, right. as we see patterns and everything else, that might come up. Hmm. hmm. Yeah, it's just uh, one of those things. Anytime they, you know, they start putting stuff out like that, and all of a sudden your brain kind of goes into this, well, what if, what if mode, right? And unfortunately, you can think of a million what ifs, and then until they happen, you know, everybody's like, oh, you know, oh, that's not going to affect us. That won't happen. That won't happen. And then it does. Yeah, I just don't want to be that guy. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I don't want to be well, that I, guy either. 
I had a question about like, you know, for like events that are at, uh, at you know, really odd places like Best in the West, you know, at, at Button Willow. Right. That's right. not a regular, you know, RC venue. Uh, no. So well, are, is it gonna I be, thought that I mean, was and, a Barks Field. Well. Uh, it is a regular airport. I mean, you know. Yeah. So you're going to be regulated. Yep. Yeah, so I'm not really sure how they get the. Yeah, so I didn't know they were doing that. Yeah. I'm assuming that you know they they've done whatever they're supposed to do, but I just you know I just kind of curious yeah. what what you know is it going to be remote ID that... or is it designated FRIA for the event that kind of thing. Well, that's very what interesting. If they get a temporary FRIA. There's yeah. been some stuff announced by the CD saying oh, we're mm-hmm. not going to you know you don't have to worry about the tag you know right, any remote, IDs right. things like that. So maybe it will come to play because it is at an airport. But right. I think, again, goes back to wait and see how that's going to be structured and how they're yeah. going to do it. Because you might be able to lease it for a short period of time and get, you know, I don't think there's such a thing as a temporary FRIA, but you might be able to do something with a registration. Hmm. And it, you know what? They may fall under the the FAA's purview of an actual airport operations, too, right? I mean, the only thing the, the, only thing the FAA has looking at us is that we're, an unmanned aerial system, but we're still flying at an approved flying, you know, like an airport. An airport is open for flying. You can fly everything from, you know, hang gliders to hot air balloons. Those are all flying yeah. in the system. The site so, is the site's um, already registered. Correct. As 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 a an actual airport. So because I know that uh when we've had um you know like air shows and stuff up in uh, not Flagstaff, but uh, Emory Riddle area up there. What is that? Prescott. Prescott. The Prescott, yeah. Because I've been up there once or twice where the guys were flying RC airplanes. Uh, and I think at Williamsfield, too, maybe they did some. And they were covered under that, too. They would fly it, but they would, you know, there's a tower there. So it's just like getting the notum, right? They're just going to put a notum up over for this area. Maybe. Here's a notum for, or this field. For... Here's a notum that, you know. Mm-hmm. Don't fly below 4,000 feet or, you know, 1,000 feet or something. Right. You know, it's interesting. There's actually uh, a little town uh, on the other side of Phoenix called Coolidge, and there's an airport over there. And just north of Coolidge, uh, there is a little area that's a restricted airspace. And we have a lot of flight training going on in Phoenix. And, you know, everybody kind of knows where that little strip of area is. And you can ask someone, hey, why is that restricted? Because it's just out in the middle of nowhere. It's like desert, but it's this long, rectangular shape, right? And I asked someone one time, I said, what, what, why is that area restricted? It's over Luke Air Force Base. I can pretty much guarantee you they're flying F-16s out there. But this is out in the middle of nowhere, and it's just this weird-shaped uh, you know, venue. And I said, it's basically uh, restricted. Most restricted airspace is only during certain times. But this one's 24-7, 365 days a year. And I, I've inquired several people wanting you know, to know, not telling them that I already knew the answer, but the answer is that the, the United States Army owns that airspace, and it is specific for UAS launches and recoveries. So they, they have that uh, NOTA, or it's not NOTA, but it's a restricted airspace for all the time, 365 days a year. Now they don't necessarily, you know, use it that often, but it is designated for unmanned aerial system training. Hmm. So very interesting. So that may be, you know, since they're able to note them that or put it in a restricted airspace, they may be able to do something temporary that says this area right here and these spaces is going to be used for 
UAS operations for these particular days. So very interesting. Very interesting. Hey, Mike, I wonder, uh, so I wonder up in Alaska, you know, remember, uh, we had that club that we, that flew right at the end of uh, mm-hmm. the runway there. I wonder, I wonder what they're yeah. doing or how, how, how that's going. If, if, if they're having, if you guys are having problems just because you're at the, on the tip of a airspace, m- imagine those guys calling up and go, yeah, we want to approve our runway. That's, you know, right at the end of a active military runway, how that's going to go over. <laughs> you know, that, that may not go over. I mean, that may be not a problem at all though, because the military basically has their, you know, their operation. The FAA doesn't really mess with the military side of yeah, it. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Um, you have a field that's right there at the end of your runway. Uh, gee whiz. Yeah, yeah. We can approve that. Yeah, I don't know. It's been there for 50 wonder, years. Not a problem. I, just, I know, right? <laughs> and now all of a sudden yep. it is. Well, uh, by the time this comes out, you have already known, but uh, the, we, we do know that there has been a delay in the remote ID. It has been pushed off uh, uh, for a little bit because, we, you know, there's still questions or, you know, they can't, everybody can't get the little remotes. I mean, obviously, Shannon's still waiting on his and the rest of us. So um, they did give a little bit of uh, relief for that, I, sh- I guess. Um, so we're... I guess we're kind of remain, wait and see for that as well. You know, we should know by the time this comes out, we should know something. Um, when does it, it goes into, how long has it been pushed off, Shannon? Uh, it's really 2024, right? I think it was so it's, it's six, uh, month, was six months, I think. Six I think months? It was March, yeah, March, I think. Yeah, March. Three or six months, yeah. something like that. Does that sound right? Yeah. yeah. So we should know, uh, I mean, you know, this episode comes out and we're, we're still kind of waiting, but um, we should know more information, I think, towards the end of this year. But uh, that, that definitely, um, you know, has an effect on production and getting everything out and it allows people to go ahead and order them and then, you know, still get them and still fly at the Korea. So. Got to get them in the stores for Christmas. I know, right? Everybody gets one for Christmas. I got a remote ID. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got the blue one. I got the gold one. <laughs> Collect them all. <laughs> Collect them all, kids. That's it. Uh, so, so I gotta. Right. I, I I know you were saying not to do too many what ifs, but my what if is. I guess this is my prior military type of uh, deal. But um, you know, if we were gonna be, I don't know, coming up with something like this, I know my general would say to me, uh, you know, Captain Neely. Uh, so when did you test this? And what happens when you turn on a thousand of those? You know, how does does that affect yeah. our overall systems? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know, sir. You know, I'll find that answer out for you, sir. So I'm just like, I'm not seeing, you know, I was kind of looking through some stuff and, and I'm not seeing anywhere, you know, yes, the, the FAA has been, you know, going, Hey, you got to have X, Y, Z, but I haven't seen where they've done a test, you know, a functional test to have a thousand of these things turned on outside an airport to see how it affects the airport or if there's going to be any vulnerabilities by having the system open, backdoored, you know, into their system, if that's going to cause an issue, I, I don't know. Those are just some of the basic things that comes to my to my mind. You know, if ever all of a sudden, you can tell Jay was well. I, I'm sorry. I'm. A, you can tell Jay was in the. Uh, yeah, you can tell he was in the safety oh, side. Yeah. Of it. Yeah. yeah he's well, I'm just you know, I, what I can tell you is that uh, ADSB, which is what this remote ID has been based off of, which is the automatic broadcasting mm-hmm. for the aircraft for live aircraft. Um, almost everybody has those now. And so at any given time, you've got 5,000 airplanes in the air, all, you know, all 
telling each other everything where they're going uh, and what they're doing and all the information. So I, I would, I would suspect that the information being broadcast out is not as, it's not have as much interference and then, you know, having the ability to look at it. Cause that's one of the things that we don't have in the remote ID. It's just an outway outward broadcast. Right. There's no inside. So I can't look and say, Hey, everybody at the field is flying on my screen. Right. We're in aviation. I can, if I have that capability, I can, I can ping everybody around me uh, and look and see where they are compared to where I'm at. And uh, so we have ADSB in and we have ADSB out. Uh, and I, I suspect that right now it's all out. I don't necessarily know if they would ever really want something in, but at least um, for me, reading the website on the FAA website, it, it basically specifically said it helps the FAA and law enforcement find the remote ID, you know, person. And that that's the biggest concern for me is that, you know, Safety is one thing. I fly real airplanes for a living. I can tell you I can't count on either hand how many times I've you know been interfered with by a drone uh, or even seen one because at 600 miles an hour, drone's Zoom. the last thing I'm going to see going by the window. It's going to be a speck. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I can see that someone might complain and then, you know, it gives law enforcement. So it sounds to me, you know, that this – was under the guise of safety. The same thing happened to the ADSB. The FA said we will never use it for any type of, um, y- you know, um, restriction for, um, you know, punitive action. And that's held true for the FAA. What it has not held true for is every other government agency. Because every other government agency has stuck their, you know, stamp on it and said, hey, we just noticed that you were out flying. And you did something, and now well, we're coming after you. And it's it's everything from tax evasion to <laughs> um, you know airspace violations for the parks and recreation. It went after a pilot for flying at a certain altitude over a protected area or whatever. I mean, you know, it's just it's kind of the tax evasion one was crazy. It was a uh, a guy at my airport who brought his airplane in uh, for the summer, and in the state of Arizona, if you're vehicle resides here for more than 30 days you have to register it in arizona well he's down here for three months then he goes back right he's a snowbird and so he brought it down and he you know was flying it and they actually tracked it and said hey we noticed that you flew it here and you flew it here every other day you were flying and it's been more than 30 days and you should have registered it so we're coming after you for the registration and then it's you know 350 dollars a day in in fees or fines and it's been 90 days you know? and he was, he was like, what, you know, and, and yet they tracked him for it. So wow. he got the FAA involved and the FAA is like, well, we're not using it for any, uh, you know, enforcement action, but no, but the state of Arizona is. Yeah. I, I would think that that would be an easy guy. one to beat because if you had a, a decent lawyer, they would go, well, did, did you issue a warrant to get that information? Well, no, we just pulled it right up over here. Oh, oh, really? <laughs> but it's but that's what I'm saying. It's like that without a warrant, you you know, everybody has this. So anyway, I, I don't want to get off on too many what ifs, but I do know that, you know, to me, when I read this and, and some of my and I'm in aviation. So, I mean, I totally understand the the push for safer skies and and not having someone do something that's you know going to cause damages. But uh, it just seems to me that, you know, sometimes I, I, I think we're going to hear 
more people, you know, law enforcement or, or people that are in neighborhoods. You know, we have uh, a neighborhood just north of, of you guys filled. And, uh, you know, what would it be for someone to start calling and saying, hey, that guy flew right over my house, even though we all know that we didn't. Um, you know, I got guys right here that talk about, you know, airplanes over their places. And I'm like, dude, I've flown over my house and you couldn't pinpoint. I mean, you know, I'm not flying near your house at all because I fly over this area occasionally. And, you know, we can all see it. And it, you're not right over the house, but it's a big enough, you know, it's far enough that I can see it. And I think that is over there. So I don't know. Those are all interesting things. Gary, you don't have any of those answers, though, do you? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I do know that, you know, there's they were powered like by a single cell lipo. So mm -hmm. the range itself, you know, antenna placement, things like that are mm -hmm. going to be right. It's not going to go too far. They're going yeah, to I heard they barely go a mile, into the mile to five miles, if that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, the van's going to have to pull up into the neighborhood to find you. Oh, geez, so, the van, the right. black van. The van, <laughs> or, the, or, the, or the black helicopters, oh, the black helicopters. That well, it just depends. Out. But, I mean, it's, yeah. you know, we're low, we fly low to the ground considerably, and for yeah. most part. Yeah. Um, when you think about it, you're, you're, there's a lot of noise that you're flying in the middle of, and it'd be definitely hard mm -hmm. to find someone i mean if you're flying at 1200 feet then that's a little different because you're up above some right. of that but like right. we do we're flying you know i like to fly around the cactuses out there because they're good little pylons sure. but you know when you're down that low and then if you have natural areas like you know earthen dams around the area that you are like we do and sun valley does i mean it's mm -hmm. very difficult for that signal to propagate out beyond that right well that makes sense so well those are all interesting uh, aspects of this, and uh, we'll, we'll definitely have to talk more about it. Uh, unfortunately, our time is up for this episode. We kind of went over, but uh, we do appreciate Gary, uh, Thanks, Gary hanging out with us and well, thank uh, telling you. us uh, appreciate it. Thanks, Gary. Telling us what the um, you know what the process was and how long it takes, and uh, giving us his um, his insight. So we definitely appreciate it. I know he's a busy guy, and and this is awesome to have him uh, join us. Yeah, we've got a field to clean up tomorrow. Ooh, oh, yes, yeah. all That's that damage. True. Yeah. See your smiling face the out there, Shannon, about 730. I'll be there. I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just in case you're wondering, uh, the um, the field got damaged in a microburst or tornado or whatever you want to call it. But, uh, yeah, there was some serious damage done to uh, to their field. And we're, um, we're hoping that you guys can get that all handled and, and back into uh, – yeah, I, I don't have any doubt. You guys, it's a great club, and everybody pitches in. I, I've never seen uh, you know, groups come together kind of like you guys do. So good luck with that. Uh, I am headed to work, but uh, otherwise I don't have So, All righty. Well, uh, that is, uh, that's it for this week. Uh, I'm Michael from Arizona. I'm Jay from the hills of Texas. And Shannon G. and Mesa AZ signing off in two weeks and we want to appreciate gary once again thanks for joining us and we'll see you in two weeks you have been listening to the park flyer podcast thank you for joining us and we look forward to your next visit please give our show a star rating and review and feel free to email us your questions topics or suggestions to parkflyerpodcast at gmail.com